and welcome to the podcast that tries to make sense of history via the comfort of lists, trivia and jokes about bums. We are the sort of people who believe Bin Day should be a public holiday. Yes, it's Don't Let's Chat with me, Ben Baker. And me, Phil Catterall. It is mostly the bum thing that we do, though. It is the it is bums that is the main thing. Mostly the bums, my Grammy award-winning album. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> so what we do here is we basically we look at this day in history and we, we try and find interesting things happen, get some lists and facts out of there. And basically, we're just very bored middle-aged men trying to while away the time between an episode of Richard Osmond's House of Games and another episode <laughs> of Richard Osmond's House of Games, probably on Dave or some, you know, yeah, somewhere, somewhere like that. That's where it's, it's, Dave's its natural home. I feel. I think Dave's our natural home. <laughs> well, yeah, comforting things. I recognise <laughs> these things. There is a red dwarf from my youth. Everything is fine. And then we remember what's happening with red dwarf now and go, oh no, it's I don't oh, like no, it. I don't no. like it. <laughs> dad and dad don't fight. <laughs> Crichton dads do not fight spare dads spare dad three no more no more well I think that's uh, chased away any of the casual listeners that we might have had but but it's brought the red dwarf fans in that's the important thing and it's nice to see him so (laughs) if you look out the window you'll see it is of course April 6th uh, and our first chart is to, the to, top five oh, dead. What? What, what? what exactly will our listeners be seeing out of the window that will indicate it is April the sixth? What? Somebody what, else's calendar? I don't know. What? Like across a road? Yeah, I assume our listeners would have binoculars. It's just <laughs> just a window cleaner holding up the dates. Yeah, to tapping it slowly, <laughs> <laughs> ominously, some might say. Yeah. Good, yeah. sorry sorry to derail you, it was important we established that. No, no, no it, it was good, I want people to have a full mental image before we go into <laughs> the rest of this. Always think of that window cleaner, keep looking, is he still there? Is he getting closer? <laughs> it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. But it is the 6th of April, so our first chart today is the top five days we celebrate today. And I say we, not us specifically. <laughs> okay. Uh, number five, it's the Christian feast day of Albrecht Dürer. Oh, who's he? In the Lutheran church. I know who he is. Who's he? He's yeah, you know him from Monty Python, probably. Right? Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Number four, the International Day of Sport for Development and Peace. Okay. I find sport is very much the opposite of peace. It is the other one. Depends what the sport is. Boxing. <laughs> I say bo- boxing, boxing is not. <laughs> boxing for peace. <laughs> is that a thing? Probably is. I mean, I don't know if you could uh, if you could settle international disputes with a literal boxing match rather than actual war. Well, I saw that two tribes video that Frankie Augusto would put out. <laughs> I know it works. Uh, and number three, it's National Fisherman Day in Indonesia. Right, good. So if you know an Indonesian fisherman, give them a pat on the back. Maybe a Twix, something like that. I don't, don't don't know if they have them in Indonesia, but you know, they, I'm pretty sure they do. They've got Kit Kats. They've got all sorts, mate. They've got all sorts. Yeah, just what's life that Twix, you know? <laughs> uh, uh, number two, New Beer's Eve in the United States. Mm-hmm. Now, 
April 7th is National Beer Day in America. Right. It's basically the day that what they call the Cullen-Harrison Act was enacted. Okay. Uh, basically, after Prohibition, they signed in the law, uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt in 1933, mm-hmm. led to the uh, re- repealing of the 18th Amendment, which we all know that's the 18th Amendment because of Homer versus the, the 18th, 18th Amendment. Amendment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he becomes the beer baron. Indeed. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, this was the day before everyone was excited, beer tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> so, it became New Beer's Eve. I did a little bit of research on this, and apparently it makes it quite clear the Cullen-Harrison Act was not the official end of Prohibition, but it did redefine what an intoxicating beverage was. Okay. So it's a beer-specific holiday and should not be confused with Repeal Day, which is on December 5th, apparently. So we'll have to remember that. So you could have... So, so beer didn't count for Prohibition at this point. But everything else still did. It's a very strange thing. Mm. Uh, Roosevelt said at the time, apparently a famous remark, I've never heard of it, but I'll do the voice. Go on. I think it would be a good time for a beer. Roosevelt there, (laughs) recorded in history. Yeah. Not not yeah. just doing one of the three accents you always do. <laughs> I mean, I, I even wrote my script brackets lard. <laughs> <laughs> and the number one day celebrated on the 6th of April is Tartan Day. Right. Which, of course, is celebrated in the natural home of Tartan, the United States and Canada. <laughs> well, this is... This- there's significant uh, Scottish descent over there, isn't there? So. Well, yeah, it's a celebration of Scottish heritage yeah. by people who don't live there. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all right. That's uh, fine. Apparently, it's the date that the Declaration of Arbroath was signed in 1320, where okay. Scotland basically went, no, we're not following you English people. And, and originated in Canada in the mid-80s. Right. Which probably explains why half of Mike Myers' characters are Scottish. <laughs> That's why Shrek is that. Yeah, pretty much. Five and a bit minutes in, and we've got Shrek in already. So <laughs> we have, as they say, put a Shrek on it. So, and it's... if you like it, remember to put Shrek yeah. on it. So now it's guaranteed to be successful. Though that's the important thing. Yeah. So they're the five days that you can celebrate today, and we move on to what happened on this day in history. And in 1808, John Jacob Astor incorporated the American Fur Company. It would eventually make him America's first multimillionaire. Or as okay. I like to call him, America's first furry millionaire. Or, to put it another way, America's first step on the road to the horrible mess that we're all in now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was born Johann Jacob Astor, because so, he was German. Mm-hmm. And he made money in the traditional industry of... Smuggling opium into China. <laughs> I mean, that's not necessarily traditionally German. It's certainly traditionally, well, it's not even traditionally English because we just like blockade ports and fire cannons at you until you let us legitimately bring the opium into your country. That, that was a thing. That I mean, I think it comes it. under the heading of bastardry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently, when he died in 1848, he was the wealthiest person in the United States, leaving an estate uh, estimated to be worth at least 20 million, which is equivalent today to 649.5 million which doesn't even put him in the top 10 these days no no not at all absolutely but you know at least he wasn't president well i mean there's literally no evidence that 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 man had any money whatsoever that anyone can find he's spent it all on gold plating his toilet correct use of that man yeah as well Um, new uh, listeners may notice that there are some slight left leanings on this podcast sorry about that honky thatcher's dead (laughs) (laughs) i'm so glad i've moved out of grantham before they put that bloody statue up i really am glad about that (laughs) 
1814, speaking of people who have statues attributed to them, mm-hmm. Napoleon. It's the date that he abdicated and was exiled to Elba. And it fascinates me because even though he'd like lost and he was like he was he was exiled, they still gave him sovereignty over it and allowed him to retain the title of emperor. Yeah, and th- and then he came back anyway. So Yeah, I mean it was literally less than a year. Yeah. But uh, initially he attempted suicide with a pill he had carried after nearly being captured by the Russians during the retreat from Moscow. Right. And he was like, I'll show you. I would have taught myself. And uh, it, 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 it didn't work. It's the, basically, over the years, it just stopped being born oh. anymore. Hang on. Isn't, this is the plot to Skyfall. This is... <laughs> That would have been a very different film. Why did Napoleon get any film work? Um, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like, I like that. I just, I just mentioned that because it's like a mixture of bastardry and pettiness, which <laughs> is very much my wheelhouse. What gets me is that he died in eighteen twenty-one and then wasn't buried until eighteen forty. So that's. <laughs> And we move to 1841. Right. And John Tyler is sworn in as president two days after becoming president on William Henry Harrison's death. He died in 30 days. <laughs> it's the mediocre presidents, the things we know in Britain, entirely based our knowledge on the presidents from The Simpsons and, of course, the mediocre presidents. Now, I can't remember if this is accurate or not, but I believe he became president and he was giving a speech on, like, day one and caught a chill and died. I think that's what happened. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Uh, And Tyler lasted for another four years, and he was replaced by Mr. James K. Polk, the Napoleon of the Stump. Uh, Uh, (laughs) But yeah, just mentioned that because Simpsons reference. And if you like history and Simpsons, Retrospecticus is the podcast you were listening to by our friends Tom and Gareth. It is good for ears. It is. 1869 celluloid is patented now we we, what we tend to do with these is we go through the events of the of and say oh is there any spin on that is there anything we can say is there any chance we can add to that and i'll be honest (laughs) with you my first thought and i suspect a lot of people's first thought is like the vhs etc when something is patented about film how long until some porn was born? <laughs> I mean, I think you, you can extend it beyond, you know, media to how long after this thing was invented did someone try to bang it? Is the, the general. Yeah, to fill it up with your sex. Yes. Parts? <laughs> it's been a while. Good. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if only there was an answer to how long it took to put porn on celluloid. Well, then. As is traditional. Thanks, that, that was your bit. It's been a few months, but you've still remembered yeah. how to do it. I've still, yeah. still remembered that the process is I say, well then, and then launch into an explanation. That, that is, that is, that is <laughs> what I what, do here. That's what we like. I am, I am like a, a reverse height Richard Osman to your non-public school Alexander Arms. I don't know what's going on. Uh, anyway. It, uh, equally pointless. Yes. Ooh. So uh, I found out there is a there is a website called oldest.org. Um, and on oldest.old.oldest.old. Old, 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 no. old. That's why is it not called oldest.old? <laughs> oldest.org. There's, there's all sorts of things, but the one that we're interested in today is the oldest pornography. Now, this list goes from, from 10 as like the 10th oldest, which is pointless because it's deep throat and there's no way that's the 10th oldest. No, uh, but you've just the, heard of it. But the top of the chart, there's uh, the, there might be some stuff here. So uh, I have got two from 1896, 
but I feel they might not really count. Uh, oh, what is it? Someone in like a full clothing basically brushes an elbow <laughs> so, with a feather. Well, the first one is called Le Coucher de la Marie, which uh, translates to Bedtime for the Bride or The Bridegroom's Dilemma in English, uh, which consists of uh, a newlywed couple uh, and the husband looks on as his bride performs a striptease behind a folding screen. So that, that's... So it's just when the clothes go over the top, like a pretty much in every comedy sketch ever. Cut, cut, I, goes I, I think you can see both sides of the screen from where the camera's positioned, judging by the one screenshot that's on there. So apparently this was a seven minute long film. Only two minutes have survived. And that is when she is undressing. That bit has survived. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, that. The rest <laughs> has is gone. Really... Save that bit. Save that's the good bit. You burn the rest of the negative. <laughs> that's, the, that's the stuff. So, um, oh, also God. in 1896, so that one was from France. This one's from America, directed by William Heiss and starring May Irwin and John Rice. Uh, the Kiss. It's, it's, it's two people kissing. <laughs> it's, it's two people that do a peck on the lips. That, I mean... Mm. I, I'm, I know things have changed. <laughs> the Roman Catholic Church called for censorship and moral reform. Moral reform? Because kissing in public could lead to prosecution. <laughs> Police presence was requested in many places the film was screened. <laughs> I, just, I just imagine some woman going, <laughs> with a full bowler hat on and stuff, you know, still smoking a pipe. <laughs> so, um... Then, then we jump jump forward a decade to uh, 1907, right? And we get the Argentinian film El Sotario, and there is a there's a, there's a slight there's a slight change in in level in, in content level at this point. So right. so the film opens with three nude women frolicking in a river. Frolicking is always good. And I am reading from the description here. As they start to fondle one another, a man dressed as a horned devil emerges from the wood and captures one's, one of the women. Is <laughs> he dressed as a horse? No. The rest of the short film features the devil character and the kidnapped woman having oral sex as well as penetrative intercourse. So we've, we've gone from uh, a striptease, a kiss, yeah, yeah. full intercourse. <laughs> Seen it, it going in on the lot. <laughs> Uh wow, and then you know after that they're all pretty, pretty much in that vein. Yeah, I presume they didn't even try to tack a story on that. Like they pretended, like oh no, this is nice. It's <laughs> art. It's art. Not like you know, it's not filth. <laughs> IMDb does have a more full plot summary, which I am not going to read because I I don't I don't want to. And that is what IMDb. But when Ian Movie Database first. <laughs> Created his his thing. That is what he expected. That was probably the first entry on it. So, so to sort of, to answer your question, eighteen forty one. Did you say? Uh, eighteen sixty nine is when patent. Nice. Uh, so nineteen oh seven. So that's thirty eight years from uh, from patent to porn <laughs> <laughs> to penetrate. <laughs> oh. Sorry. Oh, it's all right. All the listeners have stopped. Already. Yeah, this is fair enough. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone away. Uh, and that letter came in from Susan, who's six. So thank <laughs> you very much for for your letter. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> moving on. 
to something absolutely not erotic at all. The Olympic Games, the first ever modern Olympic Games in 1896 in Athens, uh, 1,500 years after the original games were banned by uh, the Roman Emperor Theodius I, who, of course, was the son of Cliff I and Claire III. (sighs) Nothing, is it? Nothing. can't. What's your favourite Olympics, Phil? Uh, Mine is curling. (laughs) Hang on, let me. I'm going to Google obscure (laughs) Olympic sports and pick one. Cut this bit out. Uh, uh, Hang on, hang on. Plunge for distance. That's what I want. I think that was the name of that pornography that we just (laughs) talked about. Oh, sorry. No, obstacle Uh, swim. I've changed my mind. Obstacles. No, live pigeon shooting. Oh, no. 1900 Paris games. You can't say some things haven't got better. 300 birds dead. (laughs) For sport! (laughs) Considering it is the international day of a sport for development and peace, you know, maybe maybe the pigeons weren't featured heavily in the thoughts when they came up with that You know what? Maybe it actually brings us together as nations because no one likes pigeons. (laughs) No one likes pigeons. <laughs> this is how we unite other, the world. Other pigeons like pigeons. The United Nations should have an annual <laughs> pigeon shooting contest so that everyone could just, yeah, bollocks Bird to them. massacre. Yeah, it's like, the, the pigeons. it's like the purge. <laughs> Beaks. All the ambassadors on the roof of the UN building in New York just firing wildly in every direction to get pigeons. <laughs> I mean, after this pandemic, I think that's the thing that's going to bring us <laughs> Definitely. Uh, uh, More film in 1906. Uh, The first ever animated film recorded on standard picture film was released, named Humorous Humorous Phases of Funny Faces. That is is good. Which I believe was the original name for Les and Dustin's Laughter Show. It was the original lyrics to the Russ Abbott Show theme tune. <laughs> Running at three minutes long, the silent short was created by the British-American film pioneer J. Stuart Blackton and it featured, and I quote, a series of scenes are depicted including a dog jumping through a hoop and a man playing with a hat. Okay. So, look out for that one when Blockbuster uh, doesn't reopen. <laughs> I mean, it, it's unlikely that it would at this point. No, it would be it would be the turnaround of, of, of 2021. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of things we can blame on the pandemic, but the collapse of Blockbuster is absolutely not one of them. <laughs> Phil, you like inventions, don't you? I do. I am always patenting things. What What's your latest patent? I've patented uh, a shoe that... Uh, also has speakers in it, so you can listen to music on the go. <laughs> I mean, that's better than I thought it was going to be. I'm calling it the Walkman. <laughs> it's called the Walkman because we because we don't do women's sizes. That's why. <laughs> I mean, good night, everybody. There's no, there's no, there's no top in that. There's no I'm, top I'm, in that. I'm quite impressed that I made that. Up. No, you. I, I didn't. I didn't warn him of that. I just knew that. I, do you know what connects Hostess Twinkies in 1930 and Teflon in 1938? They were both invented 
by... Correct, that's it. They were both invented. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are both invented. Uh, I would have also accepted they both are inedible. <laughs> I was going to say they were invented by Keith, Hostess, the other thing you said. Um... Yeah, well, the Hostess Twinkies uh, were invented by Bakery Executive, and I love that phrase. It's a good Bakery word. Executive, James Dewar. And Teflon was invented by... Ian Teflon. Roy J. Plunkett. Of course. Which is, I know, that's the thing. It really upset me that <laughs> they were neither called Pete Twinkies or Ken Teflon. It was like, <sighs> I was really hoping that was going to, because I like an invention that's named after the inventor. It's that's a good thing. Which brought me to a quizzing frame of mind. Uh, well, are, are you sure about this, Ben? Are you sure about a quiz? Trousers fully adjusted. Okay, okay. I'm ready. Philip Catterall. That's me. Philip Alison Catterall. That's that not me. Name. That is not me. Were the following named after their inventor? This is a true or false quiz for you to play. And you can play along at home if you like. Although I can't hear you. And you can shout as much as you like on the bus. I will not be there to pay your custodial fees <laughs> at the end of it. Good. The saxophone was invented by Adolf Sax. Uh, that's true. true or false? That is true. Mm. Television was invented by Terry Vision. <laughs> true or false? No, it's false. It was invented no. by Keith Cathode Ray Tube. Well, I was going to say there was no Ken 22 eat flat screen with teletext. But yeah, that, that works as well. And Steve Video false. Plus. Was not available for comment. <laughs> the Zamboni was invented by Frank Zamboni. That's true. That is true. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> God love him. The bowler hat was invented by William Bowler. Oh, this is a tough true one. False. I'm going to go with false. It's true. Oh, uh, according to legend, he was asked to craft a hat that would protect uh, people from low-hanging branches during horseback riding. Because you know, that's not a legend. No. What kind of legend I mean, is that? There's no monsters in it. There's no gods turning into swans. Tom Cruise isn't there. Tom Cruise isn't there. Tim Curry's not there. There's yes, no. Rub- there's rubbish. nothing legendary about that. Also, the thing you're looking for is a helmet. <laughs> 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 A helmet. No, there was no such thing as helmets when the bowler hat was invented. Can, can you imagine like episodes of stuff like Upstairs, Downstairs, where posh <laughs> gentlemen come in with like neon crash helmets? <laughs> or just like the helmets from the old suits of armor they would have had lying around the place. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have worked. Better than a bowler hat. <laughs> uh, next one, Kevlar. Yeah, Kevlar yep. was invented by a Scouse person called Kev. <laughs> no, that is not true, but it should be. It <laughs> was. It was true. Stephanie Kowalek and Herbert Blades, nice. the inventor of blades. No, okay, Blades the Transformer or Blades the Knives? I, the, this vampire killer. Oh, yeah. In, the th- in two. Of course, the the third Blades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets it bits that the other ones don't on your face. <laughs> With a big sword. <laughs> so you make sure you shave properly the first time, or Wesley Snipes shows up with a scimitar. And then cuts your head off so yeah. you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. 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 Horlicks. I've not finished. Okay. Horlicks was invented by Willie Harlick. 
true. <laughs> it is true. William Harlick <laughs> and James Harlick were the inventors of Harlicks. Well done, you. Because I can't think of any other reason that it would have been called Horlicks. It's not like a portmanteau of anything, is it? It's just... uh, no, no. This is well. I mean, it sounds it, but you know, <laughs> you're making your own jokes out there. The pacemaker mm-hmm. <laughs> was invented by Pace. <laughs> Brackets Hill and. <laughs> Uh, no, I do not believe Norman Pace invented the pacemaker. <laughs> He's done a lot of good work, but very little of it in the field of medical devices. I'll just check. Oh, no, uh... no, that was false. It, it was the brilliantly named Wilson Great Batch. Nice. I mean, man, a great batch. Thanks very much. Uh, dear. I mean, I, I spent like most of us, you know, baking during lockdown. <laughs> yep, me certainly. Yeah. Pogs. Yeah. Were invented yep. by Catherine Pogsington. Yeah, I, it's false. No, it's false. Not. You've not even tried. No, no, it's not. It's actually they were actually invented by Jesus. Oh. Uh, although he did call him he did call them Christ flippers. So uh Right. No, that's that yeah, is true. That's that's that's, 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 that's in the Gnostic Gospels, thing. isn't it? That's Yeah, that's very very, very Gnostic. <laughs> There's a lot of bibliol apocrypha about pogs and, and about yeah. the rules of pogs. Absolutely. Uh <laughs> and finally mm-hmm. anal sex was invented by Anal Steve. <laughs> Sorry, what was the name again? Adel Steve. Uh, Not like there's Oral Roberts, is Adel Steve? <laughs> Adel Steve, yeah. Uh, I, uh, you know, it's. I've not seen uh, your favourite film, True Anal Stories, so I don't know. Stop, stop. Whether that was. Sorry, it was True Anal Stories 2, wasn't it? That's your favourite film. <laughs> not even explaining that one. <laughs> no. It was, of course, false. It was invented by Alan Sex, who got confused. <laughs> Oh, I've missed the quiz. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, when you say missed it, do you mean like you know you tried to uh, shoot it? And, yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, 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 like like a pigeon, like I would shoot <sighs> a pigeon. Now you've got to leave my pigeon tangent in. Olympic <laughs> pigeon. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. We'll move on. 1947, and the first Tony Awards okay. are presented for theatrical achievement. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's an extra bit of quiz for you. Yep. How many times has the best actor in a play or musical gone to somebody actually called Tony? Ooh. Uh, how long's it been going for? Uh, since 1947. 1947. So I'm going to say twice. Close. Once. Ooh. Uh, do you want to guess which Tony it was? Tony Bennett. <laughs> Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> it was Tony Shalhoub. Oh. Won Best Actor in a Musical for The Band's Visit in 2018. Uh, and he also won Best Monk in <laughs> Mr. Monk Gets a Tony. <laughs> I've, I've not seen it. <laughs> no. We jump slightly ahead now to 1974 right. and the Swedish pop band ABBA winning the Eurovision Song Contest with the song... Waterloo? Yeah, it is Waterloo, yeah. yeah. Which launched their international career. Do you know how many countries were in Eurovision back then? I mean, it seems like about 3,010 now. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I reckon it was like eight or nine back then. Oh, it was 16. 
16. 16, because okay. it had been going a, a few years at that point. I mean, it, it feels like we the, the floodgates were opened when we went, yeah, Israel, you could be in Eurovision despite not being in Europe. And now Australia's in it. And <laughs> the Euro part is very, you know. You, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And funny you mentioned Australia there, as the United Kingdom's entry that year was an Australian. Ah, Olivia Newton-John, where long live love. That was joint fourth. Uh, with Luxembourg's Irene Shear with Bye Bye I Love You <laughs> and Monaco whose song was done by Robbie Wald. Right, that's that's two names stuck together. Uh and he sang Sali Ki Reste Sali Ki Sianva, which translates to well, it probably done what I said, but what if it was said correctly, it would translate to the one who stays and the one who leaves. Fair enough. Third was the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. I see a star by Mouth and McNeil. Nice, good. So why not? <laughs> Number two was Italy's Gigliola Cinchetti with the most Italian sounding song it could be, other than lists of pizzas, simply called C. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah, and number one, of course, was Waterloo by ABBA, and that's when they went on to write the hit musical Mamma Mia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Mamma Mia 2, uh, even more mams. <laughs> I believe that was called. The most mams, brackets, Pierce Brosnan. The, the most mams beaters. <laughs> so there, there you go. I have seen a performance of 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 Australia's entry this year that was just basically performed in a big sports stadium with barely anyone around. Yeah, do, do it in your pants. Do it in your pants. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, no, I think I've got I've complicated a few things there. No, I'm thinking of G to G again. So, <laughs> we're back, everybody! Yeah. Let's chat was researched and presented by Phil Catterall and Ben Baker. Production was by Ben, and the theme music was by Paul Abbott. Want to support future episodes and get exclusive bonus shows not on the regular feed? Join patreon.com slash don'tletschat. And follow us on Twitter at don'tletschat. And now, as ever, we close with our resident robot's topical take on the news. Bleep bloop! Merry Christmas, Grumble Christ! Oh, you've done it wrong, robot. I'm a one-man grimace. And now you're being homsa. <laughs> I'm a song from the 70s. Good. <laughs> <laughs>